0: Well, last week, uh, we started into a series about faith and experiences that we have that can make our faith fragile or impact it negatively. And this morning, we're going to be talking about fear and looking at fear through the lens of the character Gideon. I don't know, maybe you haven't talked about or thought about Gideon for a while, but I want us to think, especially today, about the particular shape of our fear, the fears that we are experiencing this morning. So I want this to be not just a mental exercise where you learn more about Gideon by the end, but a way where we've wrestled a little bit with God about, where am I experiencing fear right now? How is that impacting my response to God's call And what might God be inviting me into? So I'm just going to pray as we start that God will meet us in this place. God, thank you that you know our hearts. You know our fears. And Holy Spirit, would you meet us in those places of fear today? Open us up to your love and to your word and to what you have to say. And so may the thoughts of our hearts and the words of our mouths be acceptable and pleasing to you, Lord, our rock and our redeemer amen. There was a moment in my life that the shape of my fear became crystal clear. My kids were about five or six years old. Our family was attending a summer camp. And that summer, they bought this uh, inflatable raft called the Molecule. There's a picture of it right there. And it was amazing. And so on, anybody ridden on a Molecule before? It's so much fun. So you got these three huge inflated spheres and a platform in between. And I went on it with my two kids. I laid in the middle. That's how you're supposed to, to do it. You lay down there, you hold on you're on the platform and it was so fun for about two or three minutes. But I have a problem. I get bored, and while I was laying there, I was thinking, you know what would be even more fun? If I started getting up and crawling around while we were doing this. So I told the kids, you kids stay safe, hold on to the platform, and daddy's gonna go crazy. And so I, I, was, I was up, I was holding on the spheres, riding on one foot, and it was so great until the moment when I was on the front left sphere holding on, and while I was there, the boat driver didn't realize how stupid I was being, and he took a hard left. And I'm sure there's physics that can explain this, I can't. But while we were making that turn, the front sphere started to dip into the water. And because I was about twice as heavy as my kids put together, the weight just started to shift. And I turned just to see my two kids launching off the molecule in two different directions. Thankfully, their mother had put on uh, vests, inflated vests uh, in that moment. But as I looked, I'm like, okay, two things went through my mind. <laughs> One, I'm going to kill my kids. Two, my wife's going to kill me. Um, and thankfully, the kids did pop up. Uh, they would say it took about a minute. I think it took more like three or four seconds. But they were terrified my wife didn't kill me. I was in the doghouse for a few weeks, which I deserved. Um, but at that moment, that f- sheer terror of watching my kids go in two different directions, I knew what fear was in that moment. My kids did too, because they still won't ride with me in a watercraft. Now for you, what shape does fear take? What shape does fear take in, in your life? What do, you, what do you worry about when you walk into certain situations? Where does fear arise? And when I ask that, there may be a few things that come top of mind right away. For some of you, maybe it's fear of snakes. Um, For others of you, maybe you'd rather be dead than to be speaking here, public speaking. I had a friend in preaching class. She literally fainted. Uh, We're watching her preach, and she just tipped sideways and was was over. Uh, For some of you, maybe it's a fear of heights. You know, just looking down when you're standing on a chair uh, makes you cringe. One particularly cruel fear is the fear of long words because somebody decided to name it hippopotamonstrosis phobia. Isn't that mean? You ask, somebody asks you what your fear is and you have to say that. that like, that's just cruel. Now, while I'm a little lighthearted here, I know that for most of us, fear is anything but funny. And so when I ask you what you fear, maybe you can start to feel it in the places in your body where fear, where fear lives in you. Your, maybe your stomach starts to get, get churned up. Palpable fear is a part of many of our lives. In fact, all of us have these places in our life where fear infects us and can control us. And so we all need uh, this help that we're going to hear about today. Now we may anchor our fears on a variety of things. Uh, Dr. David Benner writes, Some people fear intimacy, while others fear solitude. Some fear loss of control, while others fear loss of image. Some fear the strength of their feelings, while others fear the loss of some comforting feeling. Some fear attention, while others fear neglect. Some fear life, while others fear death. Some fear pleasure, while others fear pain. Some fear loss of love, while others fear love itself. So if we were to ask the character Gideon, uh, Gideon, what's, what's the shape of your fear? It would take him about that long to come up with his answer. Midian. Midian. Midian was the great fear of Gideon and his people uh, in in that day, and with good reason. And we're going to be in the book of Judges today, Judges chapter 6. If you want to follow along in your Bibles or on your phones, Judges chapter 6. We come to this place of chaos. for the people of Israel. Their great hero Moses has died, and then his protege Joshua has also died. And so Israel has gone into the land, but it's very tenuous, and it's connected to their faithfulness to God. And Israel, we learn, has not been very faithful to God. And so for the last seven years, Midian has uh, has controlled Israel. And so let's hear a little bit about the situation. This is starting from Judges 6.3. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites camped on the land. They ruined the crops and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. That's usually when good things happen for Israel, when they get so desperate they cry out to the Lord for help. And for the last seven years, the Midianites have shown Israel no mercy. They've shown up every harvest time. They've stolen their crops, not left a living thing alive for Israel. So you can only imagine, if you've seen scenes of you know where crops have failed, you can only imagine the starvation and the desperation that Gideon is feeling. And so we meet this man on this day, and he's threshing wheat. Now, I don't know if many of you have threshed wheat before. I grew up in wheat country in Kansas, but I confess I haven't threshed wheat before. But what I read is that the best place for threshing wheat is this wide open area where you can throw it in the air, the wind can take away the chaff, and the good stuff can come back down, and then you've got, then you've got the good stuff for making food or, or planting. But when we find Gideon, we find him, the scriptures say, in a wine press. Literally a hole in the ground, the opposite of what, where would be a good place to, to thresh wheat. The guy is terrified of the Midianites, and so he's just trying to do what he can, to at least gather a little bit of food, if you can imagine, for his family or maybe for planting the, the next year. Fear drives him to hide and it, and it uh, controls him to do things, to do farming in a way he normally wouldn't. That, that's not for his or the benefit of his, his family, his people. He's farming in totally unnatural ways because of this fear of Midian. So I ask you again, what shape is fear taking in your life today? And how is it impacting the way you're living Can you feel that sense of restriction or or doing things, maybe self-sabotaging or doing things in a, a just unnatural way because it's fear that's in control? I'm going to go back a couple of times today to a book written that's been very helpful for me by the author David Benner called Surrender to Love. It was profound for me in a very dark season in my life when I really was controlled by fear. I've got a couple of long quotes, and I encourage you to take a picture of them. Maybe sit with them this week uh, as as you reflect, because reflecting on fear and its impact on our life, it's not something that you just do in a 20-minute sermon. It's something to sit with the Spirit of God. And so I encourage you to reflect on these. When fear arises, Benner writes, We harden our bodies and our hearts, closing inward to protect ourselves. Sometimes we feel paralyzed, unable to move. It's that fight, flight, freeze thing that we've probably all heard. Unable to move. At other times, we race around faster, trying to make ourselves into a moving target. Something harder to hit. We build up walls, we call up armies, we pay governments to protect us from danger as we try to minimize the risk of being human. For others, the the impact that fear has on them is trying to grab onto any control they can. So Benner continues, fear breeds control. People who live in fear feel compelled to remain in control. They attempt to control themselves, and they attempt to control their world, and often, despite their best intentions, this spills over into efforts to control others. Because life beyond control is unimaginable, even though their efforts at control have only very limited success. And as I reflect on fear at this level, uh, for me, one of the chief fears that has driven my life is a fear of failure. During school, it was often with grades. As I got into my late teens and early 20s, that fear anchored onto relationships. And I remember coming into rooms and scanning and looking at people and being like, ah, he looks too together. Ooh, she looks like uh, she's, she's too high a class for me. And so I, I would refuse relationships based on my perception of myself and my perception of other people. I refuse to risk relationally out of fear. The irony of it, the one time that I was willing to risk uh, pursuing a relationship with someone more put together and more cool than me, she married me. So I, I don't know why I believed my fear when the one time I was willing to risk, uh, it really worked out well. I found out as I got to the end of my undergrad that uh, as I started to address this fear, that I had missed out on some friendship with some incredible people because I'd let that fear impact my relationships. Fear restricts. Fear constrains us. But what we need to hear today is that fear lies. Rudyard Kipling wrote, Of all the liars in the world, sometimes the worst are our own fears. Well, thank God he showed up for Gideon that day right in the middle of his fear. I want to continue on in Judges chapter 6 because I want you to hear Gideon's conversation with God. They have a chat about Gideon's situation and, and his fear. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. That belonged to Joash the Abijah's right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay, I want to stop right there because I love something about this. Where did God show up? Well, there was that oak tree by the wine press. You know that place in Joash's farm? Right right there. I love that because it's so specific. I, I love the specificity of it because if God can know where Gideon is afraid and go right there to where Gideon's trying to hide from the Midianites, God knows the specifics of my fear. The junk I don't want you to see. God knows and he comes and he meets me right there. Right in the particular place of my fear and your fear. God shows up. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, what are you doing hiding in fear? No, he didn't. He says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Here's Gideon's argument. Are you talking to me? "'Pardon me, my lord,' Gideon replied. "'But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? "'The Lord has abandoned us, and he's given us into the hand of Midian.' "'The Lord turned to him, and he said, "'Go in the strength that you have. "'Am I not sending you?' "'Gideon's fear is still running the day, though. "'Pardon me, my lord,' Gideon replied. "'But how can I save Israel?' My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you. A great way to end that conversation. I will be with you. Two crucial statements I want us to hear in our fear this morning. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Or as the New Living Translation puts it, mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Can you imagine hearing that in, in your fear today? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. In the place where you feel weakest and most anxious and most ashamed, God shows up, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Man, do I need that message so often. You see, Gideon's fear had lied to him. It had lied to him about God. It had lied to him about himself. Fear lies to us. Look at how it had lied about God. We we hear it in Gideon's argument. An angel shows up, says, God's with you, mighty warrior. And uh, Gideon says, excuse me, sir. Um, Have you seen our situation? Have, Have you looked around recently? There's no crops. There's Midianites everywhere. I'm hiding in a wine press. Where is God? I've heard the stories. I know the story of Moses and Joshua. This isn't that. God has abandoned us. an irony here that we find out the angel of the Lord is in fact the Lord himself. And Gideon is telling the Lord to his face that the Lord has abandoned them. And the Lord's right there. I wonder how often our fear convinces us God has abandoned us. And God's right there reaching out to us. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. But God's not giving up yet. God turns him and says, go the strength that you have. Save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? That language of I am sending you is actually the same call that God gave to Moses and to Abraham. I'm sending you. Yeah, you may not be Moses, you may not be Abraham, but I'm the same sending God. And then God turns that focus to Gideon himself. In his first statement, he called Gideon mighty hero, mighty warrior, now, that may seem like an odd first way to address somebody, but what he's doing in Hebrew is he's reminding Gideon of who he is. The name Gideon means feller, and not, not like a colloquial way of saying that guy over there. You know, there's that feller over there. It means feller as in one who fells things, trees, armies, Those things that stand up against God. That's the name that Gideon has. The name he was given by his father. And so God is reminding Gideon, this is who you are. Go in the strength that you have. I'm sending you. I know there's strength there. See, here's the problem. Gideon has internalized a false belief about God. The Lord has abandoned us. And he's also internalized a false belief about himself. Mighty warrior? Me? Me? Have you seen me, God? I I can't believe you'd say this. I'm the one hiding in a wine press, thrashing wheat. that's, That's me. I'm the failure who's afraid of what everybody sitting here today is thinking about me. I'm the one laying awake all night, anxious about what may or may not happen. I've run all the scenarios, and I'm afraid of them all. That's me. Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. How can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest. I'm the least. That's Gideon's view of himself. I'm the the least. Gideon looks around. He looks at himself. He looks at his circumstances. And he says, those tell me who I am. I'm the least. I'm terrified. He believed himself to be less than. But Gideon was blinded. He was lied to by his fear that there's something and someone in Gideon that Gideon wasn't seen. And I love what God says to him, go in the strength that you have. Love that. Go in the strength that you have. Nope, Gideon, you're not the oldest. Nope, Manasseh's not the big powerful tribe like Judah would be when David emerges or even the tribe of Levi, you know, where the, the priests and Levites are from. God didn't say, I want you to go be Moses or Abraham or even Joshua. But God says, there's a strength that you have. I know because I put it there. I'm the one sending you. And Gideon would discover it. Step step along the way as he responded to God's invitation go in the strength that you have I'm sending you see Gideon believed in his weakness and his littleness and his leastness because he thought he was alone abandoned by God but God wants him to respond in faith that even though he felt little God had placed strength in him to fulfill God's call it was God's call God's strength God's sending. As the Apostle Paul would write to his protege Timothy centuries later, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And a sound mind. And that language for power isn't a language of, of warrior to smite enemies. That's, it's a language of gifts and, and abilities and strengths. That's what God has given us. That Holy Spirit of God who comes and gives us the gifts and the, the fruit of the Spirit of God that we might help the world flourish in the ways that God is calling us to. But fear restricts and stops. Fear blocks, Minner writes again, our responsiveness to others. It stops that ability to love others well. The fearful person may appear deeply loving, but fear always interferes with the impulse toward love. Energy invested in maintaining safety and comfort always depletes energy available for love of others. So how will we respond today? In light of this, the shape of the fear that maybe God is is showing us in our lives, what's our invitation to response? Do you remember the story of Harry Potter as he and his fellow students get ready to face their fears in the character of the Bogart? They, they face this, I don't know, this, this big uh, place where the Bogart's hiding. And the Bogart, when it comes out, it comes out in the form of what the student fears most. And the students are supposed to do a, a spell called ridiculous. Remember that? They do the ridiculous. And so, uh, for example, Ron Weasley, uh, the Bogart comes out as a, as a huge spider, and Weasley turns it into a tap-dancing spider. And, and there's something in there, I think, the author was I- encouraging young people as they, they read it to, to learn to, to laugh, to not maybe take themselves so seriously, uh, a lightness in face of fear. And there's goodness in not taking ourselves too seriously, for sure. But I think the invitation that God is calling us into today is, is deeper than just learning to laugh at ourselves. I think the first invitation I see today, at least for myself, is an invitation to trust. An invitation to really believe you are not abandoned. You're not alone here. You're loved. The Lord is with you, strong one. There's a strength that, you've, that you have You're not alone. We've talked about the shape of fear, but as God shows up to Gideon, I think what we see is the shape of love as God reaches out to Gideon. And, and we see that again and again, that shape of love as God shows up to Adam and Eve and, and reaches out to them, as God shows up to Moses in the burning bush and reaches out to him, as God shows up to Gideon here, as God shows up in Jesus Christ and reaches out in human form, and as God reaches out to you today, we see the shape of love. God shows up in our place of fear and reaches out to us. And I hope we really believe that we are loved. One last quote. Jesus comes to show us what God is like. The incarnation is God reaching out across the chasm caused by our sin and starting the relationship all over again. The incarnation reveals true love, reaching out to dispel fear. We gain courage to face our fears as we soak in love. I love the the song's that Quentin shows today has invited us to lean into love. I think that gives us the courage to face fears as we realize we are surrounded and strengthened by a God who loves us and who is with us. Invitation to trust. I think a second invitation is an invitation to talk that we realize that we're not alone in our fears. All of us are terrified of something. We sit here, we look cleaned up and together, but we're all terrified. And we need to be open with that, with one another, that we may find community and strength with one another because we are incredibly complex people. We're spiritual and physical and emotional and mental and we are relational. We are complex beings. And it's not as if fear only shows up in, in the spiritual side of us. It's, we're all woven together. And so fear impacts us emotionally and relationally and physically and spiritually. I alluded earlier, I went through a season of deep darkness where my fear really uh, controlled my life. And I found uh, the way that helped me start to get out is by communicating with others. And I just one or two. I found such help in talking to my wife and other sweet friends. Talking to a doctor who helped me adjust things physically. A psychiatrist who helped me with some medication. A psychologist who helped me rethink how I was doing my work and my life. Spiritual director. And of course, talking and mostly listening for the voice of God. If you need a safe person to talk to today, turn turn to friends that you trust, a trusted uh, mentor. You can talk to pastors, Michelle and Ant, or others on the 10th team. You can talk to me, you can talk to Esther, but turn to other people. Don't be alone in your fear, because you really aren't alone. That's just your fear lying and telling you that you are. One of the women who's a part of this congregation named Olivia started a project called Beneath the Surface. You can check it out on Instagram or on her website. But she does exactly what I'm talking about. Just opens up saying, here's what I'm going through. And invites others to share in their, their journey as well. Invitation to trust. Invitation to talk. And finally, an invitation to take one courageous step. Remember when I was watching the movie Frozen 2, not Frozen 1, Let It Go, but Frozen 2, where the ice princess sings about doing the next right thing. And I was actually moved to tears by that song because I, I think in our fear, that, that's sometimes the invitation. <sighs> My goodness, I can't take on all of Midian, but I can do the next right thing. Maybe one courageous step. And back to Gideon one last time, that's what he learns to do. That same night, the night that God says, I'm sending you to save Israel from Midian. Gideon didn't, wasn't asked to do it that night. The Lord said to him, Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Two of the idols that Israel was following. So Gideon did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid... Of his family and the townspeople. He did it at night rather than in the daytime. I love that. I love that this this man who had become a great hero of the faith uh, feels the need to take his first courageous step at night because he's still afraid. He's still afraid of his family, he's still afraid of the townspeople, but in that moment he lives into his name, Feller. He fells those two idols and he takes one courageous step. What might one step of courage look like for you today? What's God's invitation for you? I want us to sit for just a moment and reflect on what God is inviting us to do. I'm just going to sing a simple song. It's from the church's uh, contemplative tradition. If you know it, you can sing with me. If not, you can listen in, or hopefully you can just internalize the words of this. It just is called, Don't Be Afraid.
1: It goes like this. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger. My love is stronger than your fear. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger. And I have promised, promised to be always near. voice of God for you today. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger. My love is stronger than your fear. Don't be afraid. My love is stronger. And I have promised, promised to be always near.
0: God, I pray that we would sense your nearness to us today. As we turn and face those areas of fear that have controlled and restricted us, may we welcome your love. May we lean into it, soak in it, trusting that you have not abandoned us, that you are near.
1: Amen.